The Word of God says that the name of Jesus Christ is so powerful that it is the only name under heaven which a man, woman, child, boy, or girl can be saved. That's how powerful the name of Jesus Christ is. And whenever you get to thinking that our world is in a mess, you're right. Whenever you get to thinking that it's out of control, you're wrong. It's not out of control. We serve a God that's bigger than our problems. We serve a God that's better than our enemies. We serve a God that can do all things. And whenever we come to confidence within ourselves as the children of this God that I'm talking to you about, there's nothing that can come your way that can take you or that can prosper against you. The Bible says that what, what is there against us, what weapon that's formed against us can prosper. There are none. I'm so grateful to be here today and to see all of you. Some of you have been gone. You're running around on vacations, having a good time, spending all your husband and wife's money, whichever way it might go. You never know how it's going to go. But I'll tell you, vacations are, are uh, expensive nowadays, aren't they? Some of you shaking your head, yeah, they sure are. Some of you hadn't learned yet, and you're going to in about a week or so. Some of you are leaving tomorrow, and some of you will be leaving next week, and just be having a good time. I always want to tell you to go and have a wonderful time while you're on vacation. Uh, I want to challenge you, though, to do something on your vacation that maybe you've not done before. Plan a church trip. Go to church while you're on vacation, and go to a church that, that's local. It don't matter if it's your kind of church or not. Just go. It's going to do one of two things. It's either going to give you a good idea that we need to be doing here, and you come back and tell us, or you're going to be like, thank God for our church. One or the other. So you can win. It's a win-win either way. But I encourage you to do that. We like to do that when we go on vacations if we have them where they're on Sundays. Uh, but anyway, enough of all that. Last week we began a, a message. And I did not realize that I was going to be uh, seriesing that message. You guys know how I like to preach in series and, uh, so that I can try to teach the deeper truths to you. Uh, instead of just giving you one and done, you know. Uh, but today I'm going to be following up with that. So if you have your Bible, we are going to be in the book of Galatians. Uh, yet last week I opened up with a scripture in uh, 2 Corinthians 5, 15, 57, I think is where it was at. And uh, they might have it and throw it up there yet. 1 Corinthians 15, 57, where it says, Thanks be, to God, thanks be uh, to God who gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. Victory comes through Jesus. It doesn't come around Jesus. It doesn't come over Jesus or under Jesus. It comes through Jesus Christ. So the only way that you can gain this victory that Paul wrote about in Corinthians is to have a relationship with Jesus Christ. You have to go through Him in order to get to this victorious place in your life. A lot of times in our life, and what I see a lot of times in our world today, is that we have a lot of people who are struggling just really struggling in life. You, you, you waddle around in the muck and the mire of the world. You are wallowing around in, in defeat, and there's no victory in your life. Although you claim to be a Christian, you claim to be a child of God, there's no victory in your life. And you are constantly wallowing around in sin. And the reason that you're constantly wallowing around in sin is because you have been made to believe that that is who you are, and that's who you're supposed to be. And that is not true. It is not scriptural. There is nothing in the Bible that tells us that you have to wake up today and sin. But yet that is what the world wants to tell you. And that's what the preachers a lot of time want to tell you. 
They want to say that that's just, you're just a sinner and that's just the way it is. I've come to a place in my life, you know, they say that every preacher's got one message and, and he's going to preach that message. And I, I feel like this is my message, that I have to constantly relay this to tell you that God did not make you for the devil's welcome mat. He didn't make you for him to be able to run, rub his feet all over you and just drag you by the nap of the neck and waller you through the gutters of this world. That is not what you were created for. And if you go back to the very beginning, when Jesus, when God created this world and He created Adam and Eve and He brought them into this world, there was no sin. Sin, sin was not in their life. So if God had intended on you being a sinner and living in a defeated lifestyle... He would have created them in that lifestyle. He would have created them in that place. But He loved them so much that He gave them a choice to either sin or not sin against Him. And they chose the good, the good pleasing things of life that came through uh, the temptation that, that Satan, of course, delivered to them and gave to them. So therefore, we are all born with inherited sin. We inherited it from Adam and Eve. And it's not your fault, okay? It's not your fault. And since God knew that you were born with this, He wanted to give you a remedy. He wanted to give you the ability to overcome that. And does anybody know who that is? If you know who that remedy is, just shout it out. Jesus. J-E-S-U-S. Oh, yes. It's Jesus. He's the remedy. You remember what I told you last week about this platform being the party barge that we're all partying on out in the middle of the ocean? Remember? We're all up here partying, having a good time. We're, we're having a, a godly party, all right? So get it straight. It's a godly party. All right? Now we're, I, I just come off the slide, and I'm out in the ocean, but I can't swim. I'm having a difficult time. But there's a lifesaver out here, and you decide to grab that lifesaver, and you throw that lifesaver out to me to do what? To save me. Now, am I saved if I'm holding on to the lifesaver floating around out there? I'm not saved yet. I'm just, I'm just kind of on the verge of getting to where I need to be. But if you on, up here on the deck, if you started pulling on that rope and you drug that lifesaver back to the boat and you grab me and you pull me back safely onto the deck of that ship, you saved my life. But the idea that you had to grab that lifesaver and chunk it out to me, that was the idea of salvation. You see the picture that I just drew for you? God's the one up here that has the idea of salvation. Jesus Christ is the lifesaver that He grabbed and chunked out into the ocean of this world so that those who are lost and undone could grab a hold of Him and so that, he could, so that God could ultimately pull you back to where He is. That's why Paul said that the, the story of the cross, the message of the cross is folly. It's foolishness to people who don't believe. But to those of us who are being pulled in by the lifesaver Jesus Christ, those of us who are being saved, the Scripture says, to us it is righteousness, it is the glory of God, it is power. And whenever you realize that and you understand it, guys, I'm telling you, you can have victory. You don't have to live in defeat. You don't have to. I know that people want to tell you that that's, you're just defeated and that's just the way it is and that's the way you're going to live your life. But I'm telling you that is not scriptural. You can overcome and you can be an overcomer. Look with me in Galatians chapter 2, if you will. We're going to read uh, verses 19 to 21. Paul's speaking, and if you'll remember last week, I talked to you about him being crucified with Christ. So we've got to go through this again. 
He said, for through the law, I died to the law. What is the law? Give it to me real quick. Talk to me. The law. The Ten Commandments. Yeah, it's okay for y'all to talk to me, okay? I'm one of those interactive guys. It's all right. Talk to me. You, you're liable to, I'm liable to get loud if you start talking loud enough, all right? The Ten Commandments is the law. He said, through the law, I died to the law so that I might do what? Live to God. He had to die to something in order to live to something else. So that I could live to God. Look at verse 20. I have been crucified with Christ. What does crucifixion mean? Death. It's a one-way trip. Anybody that got nailed to the cross, they didn't come down alive. Even Jesus died on the cross. Jesus came back to life. We understand that. He's kind of a, a different guy. Just in case you didn't know, he's a little different. But he says that we have been crucified with Christ. Paul says, it's no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. And the life I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave Himself for me. Look at this. Verse 21. I do not nullify the grace of God. For if righteousness were through the law, then what? Christ died for no purpose. If righteousness came through the law, then what Jesus did was for no avail. It was no good. It was purposeless and pointless if we could be saved and make it to heaven through the law. Do you know why Jesus came to die for you? Because He knew that you could not make it by doing the law. God gave the law to Moses back on Mount Sinai, back in the wilderness wanderings. Forty years they wandered around. But God gave them a law. He gave them a law to show them that they were fouled up. That there was a problem with them. So when you think about the Ten Commandments, next time you go into the bathroom and you fix your hair and brush your teeth, think about the Ten Commandments because all that they are is a mirror for your spiritual life. And when you look into the mirror to see how jacked up your hair is, what do you do? You fix your hair. So God gave you a spiritual mirror so that you could look at yourself and see how jacked up your spiritual life is. And without Him... It's going to remain jacked up. Is that clear? I can't get it any more clear than that. Do I need to say jacked up anymore? All right, we can move on. The Ten Commandments is to help you see your problem. It is not solving your problem. But it is here to show you what your problem is. Paul says, I had to be killed. I had to be crucified with Christ. And so it's no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. I'm praying for you today, church, just in case you didn't know, I'm praying that you understand what I'm telling you today. The problem with the law is that no one could keep the law. It was a serious problem. God gave the law to show, not to solve. Jesus came to solve, not to show. Remember what Adam and Eve did whenever sin came in? You remember what they did? Remember, I, show, I told you last, last week about your ensemble. What was their ensemble? What was, what was their, their clothing? What did Adam and Eve decide to use? Fig leaves. Pull a fig leaf off of a tree, it begins to do what? It dries out. Even when the wind blows, it can disintegrate a fig leaf. They couldn't have picked anything better. It shows perfectly how, how ridiculous we can think that our idea of fixing our problem is. 
But yet, whenever they, whenever they sin, they just sewed another fig leaf into their ensemble, right there in their little miniskirt. They just sewed another fig leaf in it. And every time that we sin or every time that we lie, every time that we think that we have another thing that has to be corrected, we think that we can correct it on our own. So we get another fig leaf. We just pull another one off the tree. When we lie, we lie in order to cover up a lie. So we just put another fig leaf in it. And this is what Adam and Eve did. Their sin was bare for all to see. Hence the word naked in the word Genesis, in the, gospel, in the book of Genesis. They were naked for all of it to be seen. And here you are, a lost sinner, for everybody to see. And you know, the Bible actually says that you're going to stand bare before the white throne judgment, and it's going to be as if God sees everything, even your royal orbits and tattoo. It's not going to be covered up anymore. He's going to see everything. He's going to know everything about you. He already does. But guys, it's going to be laid bare. Adam and Eve realized that. And so they begin to try to cover it up. But they couldn't. They had a temporary fix for an eternal problem, but God wanted to give you an eternal fix for an eternal problem. And Jesus Christ was that fix. And His blood was the only thing that can do it. You see, to live by the law brings bondage. The Old Testament shows us that in order to keep the law, there had to be ceremonies, ordinances at certain times, and things had to be done a certain way, but it was never good enough because it had to be repeated. It was never good enough. Year after year, sin had to be forgiven all over again. We like to call it a ball and chain, if you will. Paul said that he died to the law. The law lost its power over him. Was it because that Paul uh, just didn't care about God anymore? Was it because Paul didn't love God anymore, didn't think about Jesus? No, it was quite the opposite. Paul had become so close to God. He had come so close to Jesus Christ that he had such a desire to live for Him that there was no law that was going to pull him away. That even though the law was there and it was meant to show him his problem, he didn't have to abide by that law because his law had been changed. Pay attention. Paul didn't only die to the bondage of the law, but listen to what else he died to. He died to the world. He died to self-seeking ambition. He had to die to the love of money, the pride of life. He died out to selfishness and evil and hateful passions. And all of the things that once ruled over Paul, they lost power over him whenever he recognized who Jesus Christ was. And I'm here to tell you today that when you understand and recognize who Jesus is, this world loses its power over you. A true Christian, a person who knows Jesus Christ, they understand what I'm talking about. Because it's a person who spends time here, not here. And when you spend time here rather than here, you understand who Jesus is. And you understand where the power comes from. Friends, I'm here to tell you that if you think you're going to make it to heaven by coming here to Peach Orchard Road, you are mistaken. Until this Word finds its place in your heart, you will constantly sin against God. How do I know that? Because David said, Lord, I've hidden your word in my heart so that I might not sin against you. You can't do it without this. This is the written word of God. All other words, all other doctrines, Paul says, all other things that are taught to you, let the people who write
smite them and teach them be accursed. This is the truth. No matter what they want to try to tell you, I don't care what name they're found under. I'm not worried about that mess. If they're preaching and teaching the Word of God, pay attention and listen. But friends, if you're not spending your time here, you're wasting your life. You're wasting your life. I'm not asking you to be like me. I'm not asking you to start doing anything that I do. You may not be able to keep up with my routine. You might say, well, your routine isn't good enough. That's fine. Find yours and die to the law so that you can live to Christ. When we are crucified with Christ, we are to completely surrender every selfish desire, every ambition that is self-seeking, and all of it to give over to the perfect will of God. Do you remember what the problem in the equation of sin is? If you were to write sin out, you would have a little S and a little N. And right between the two, you need to start plugging in a great big I because I has always been the problem. I is the problem. I know that's not correct English, but I is the problem. You're the problem. You see, inside of our heart, there's this throne. There's this place of rulership, kingship, ownership. And in all of us human beings, what we like to do is we like to claim ownership to ourselves. We want to say, I'm going to run it, I'm going to do it, I'm going to take care of it, and nobody else is going to do anything with me, even the power of Jesus Christ through the Holy Spirit. Nobody's going to run me. That's always been the problem. Self-promotion, self-pleasing desires, the greatest obstacles here that lie between man and salvation because we desire to please ourselves. These are the building blocks to sinful disaster. Sin erupts from the desire to please ourselves, And it's selfish desires of yourself that must be crucified with Christ. When you're able to allow those things to crawl onto the cross, nobody's going to drag you to it. Nobody drug Jesus onto the cross. Nobody's going to drag you onto the cross. You've got to be willing to climb on and get on a board under your own power and under your own will. And when you have the desire to crawl onto the cross and to be crucified, remember crucifixion is a one-way trip. There is no coming back. And when you desire to get to that place, you will die to self-promotion, self-ambition, all the desires of your heart that are all about everybody else and about you. They will all die out and all of a sudden this newness of life begins to rise up within you and there's this change that happens within you. And my gosh, today, how bad we need this to be risen up in the lives of our people in America. So that there is a newness of life within us to where we quit worrying about ourselves and we start loving our neighbors as ourselves. Why does Paul know this? Go to the Scriptures in Matthew. Why does Paul understand this? Why does he understand here in where he said in Galatians that I have been crucified with Christ and I'm dead to the law? It's only because he finally understood what Jesus said. And when you understand what Jesus says... It makes everything new again. Paul saw this, and of course, Paul didn't walk the streets of Jerusalem with Jesus. He didn't walk the Emmaus Road with Jesus. He didn't do all that. Paul came into Jesus' life, or Jesus came into Paul's life, rather, after Jesus had already been ascended to heaven. Nonetheless, Jesus affected Paul's life. 
And he understood what Jesus said here. Teacher, they asked Jesus, what is the great commandment in the law? What is the great commandment? What's the greatest of them all? Look what he said. You shall love the Lord your God with all of your heart, with all of your soul, with all your mind. This is the first commandment. The first. He said, what's the greatest? So if I'm stranded on an island, and I could have only one commandment, it's almost like what this guy's saying, Jesus, if I could have only one commandment that would help me survive spiritually, what would it be? And Jesus comes to him and he says, Son, if you want to survive this shipwreck, you need one commandment. And that commandment is, you love the Lord your God with all of your heart. Why would Jesus say that? Because if you love God with everything that is within you, there is nothing that you would do to sin against Him. Do you get it? You're not going to miss out on your time with Him. You're not going to use His name in vain. All the first four or five commandments there that have to do with your relationship with God, you're going to keep them all because why? You love Him with everything that is within you. That is why Jesus was able to take all ten of the commandments and compress them down into two. Look at the next Scripture. He said, well, there's another Scripture, my friend. There's another commandment you need to understand too. He said, don't think... In verse 17 there, 517, don't think I've come to abolish the law of the prophets. I have not come to abolish them, but to fulfill them. The first scripture was in Matthew 22. He says this in Matthew 22. He said, love God with all of your heart, with all of your soul, with all of your mind. This is the first and great commandment. But the next one that he says is that what? Love your neighbor as yourself. Well, there's a good one. There's a... There's a great commandment in it, Jesus says, but hey, you know, uh, there's one that's pretty important too that you ought to pay attention to. Why don't you love the guy that's next to you? Love the girl that's next to you. You know, one of the things that it, it just it breaks my heart, I see this religious culture that we have in America today. This religious culture that we have. And I'm getting hot, y'all, I'm sorry. But we have this religious culture uh, today, and, and it says this. It says, I'll go to church and worship God and hate the person next to me, and everything's going to be okay. I wonder where that's at in the Bible. I hadn't found it. You know, Sister Peg, I hadn't found it. It's not there. But yet we can... We come to church and we worship God. Oh, boy, it's good worship. We got music and preacher's going to get up there and scream and holler at us a little bit, make us a little circus show up there, and, and we'll go home. But the person across the way a few aisles back, maybe, maybe right down the aisle from me there, you know, I just really hate her guts. I hate his guts. Boy, it's sleazeball. And you get probably other words, too, that you like to use. That don't, that don't, that don't line up with what Jesus says to love your neighbor the way that you love yourself. You know what I do to myself? Y'all might do this or not. But whenever my hand is dirty, my left hand, when it's dirty, I have never done this to wash my hand. What have I done? I've done this. Because a hand takes care of a hand. We wash our body. You know why? Because I love myself. And I'm going to wash myself. And I'm going to clean myself. 
Because I learned a long time ago that if I don't, as a fat boy, things start getting right quick. But I love myself, and I want to take care of myself. Am I, am I in this boat alone? We, all, we understand, don't we? If you don't, just get close to that one that you hate that has not done that in a while, and you may remember why you hate them. We take care of ourselves. But the Bible says love the one next to you the way you love yourself. The way you take care of yourself. Hey, if they were down and they were out and they could not wash themselves, would you wash them? If they couldn't mow their yard, would you mow their yard? If they could not cook for themselves, would you cook for them? This is what Jesus is saying. But Paul, he understood it. It finally clicked. It finally clicked. He said, I'm dead to this law. Why am I dead to the law? Guys, listen, just buckle your seats. Let me tell you something. Whenever you become alive to the law of Jesus Christ, the Ten Commandments don't mean nothing to you anymore. They don't mean nothing. The Ten Commandments were given so that you could see what's wrong with you. So that you could see. But they were always given in order to point you back to Jesus. And then when you find Jesus and His perfect love begins to live in your life and you love other people the way that you love yourself and you love God more than you love yourself and everything in you loves God, you cannot sin against God and you cannot sin against your fellow man. Therefore, Paul says, I've been crucified with Christ and it is no longer I who live, but it is Christ who's living in me. Paul lost control. Aha, amen. It's time we lose control. It's time that we get to the point to where we're not worried about where I go. Do you know why I don't care where I go? Because I know I'm not going somewhere I don't need to be. Do you know why I don't care what I say? Because I know that Christ living in me is going to let me say what needs to be said. Do you know why I don't care what you think about me, church? Because He's the only one that matters. And whenever you get to the point to where you live for Him and not this world, whenever He is the joy that is within inside of you, whenever it is His salvation that is within you, and not the salvation of a joint, not the salvation of heroin, not the salvation of a bottle, not the salvation of a husband, not the salvation of a wife, and not the salvation security of your money that you earn, when you get to the place where Jesus Christ is the joy of your salvation, then... And only then will you die to this law that the world wants to keep you bound by. From this point on, you make the decision if you're going to live for Christ or not. You choose. It's your choice. The ball is in your court. As our musicians come, the ball is in your court. You've got to make your mind up. You've got to choose who you'll serve today. Do you want victory? Or do you want defeat? But the only way that you will have victory, my friend, the only way that you'll have victory is if you are willing to climb on a cross and be crucified with Jesus. Die to yourself. Die to the law that's in this book. The law that was written, Thou shalt not, thou shalt not, thou shalt not. Die to that law and say, Hey, it's not that I don't love God. It's not that I'm not thankful for all that I am thankful for. But there's something new within me. And His name is Jesus. Jesus said that I didn't come to abolish the law, but I came to fulfill it. And fulfillment is found 
whenever Jesus comes alive in your life. What about you? Is that what you want? You want to live for Christ? If you want Him to live through you, you must be willing to be crucified. Let's stand, church. If you'd like to pray around the altar, I'd love to pray with you.
Father, today we just want to say thank you for who you are. Thank you for watching over us and keeping us, dear Father. Thank you for your love and your mercy, for all the blessings of life that you bestow upon us. And God, as we think about the words that are in that song, as we think about being led to the cross, that's what this message is all about. We need to be led to that cross so that we can be crucified with you and so that we will quit living to ourselves, quit being selfish and seeking our own way, but that we will seek after you and live a life that's pleasing to you. In Jesus' name we pray.